Glory, hallelujah to you, and welcome to Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by St. John Mariano. How are you tonight, John? Oh, I'm flipping terrific. How are you, Corey? I am fantastic because we got a special guest joining us here tonight. Uh, if you're a fan of the Deep Dive Podcasting Network, and I hope you are because there's some tremendous shows on there, you will know our guest here this evening. Uh, he is the mastermind and host of the Magicians Podcast, the Uriah Heap Podcast, right here on the Deep Dive Podcasting Network. His name is Scott Haskin. How are you doing tonight, Scott? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for being the first Deep Dive podcast member uh, to agree to be on our show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to do a show with you guys. I really love the show. Um, you know, you're only a, a few episodes in, but so far I've I've loved every episode. You guys have a great back and forth, and you really dig into aspects of the music that a lot of us don't because we tend to look at it as musicians. And that's interesting because neither John or myself are musicians. So it's going to be interesting to get a musician perspective uh, here on whatever song comes up tonight. And just so the folks know, all six selections on the dive tonight were selected by Scott. So uh, uh, Scott, maybe before uh, we, we kind of continue bantering here, tell us what's on the dive for tonight. Oh, we, well, you know, I, I'm only really familiar with two albums from Aerosmith, of course, Toys in the Attic and Permanent Vacation, which I know is a favorite of yours. Uh, so I've I've picked uh, from Toys in the Attic, Round and Round, and You See Me Crying, the last two tracks on the album. And then from Permanent Vacation, Hangman Jury, Girl Keeps Falling Apart, I'm Down, and probably the most obscure Aerosmith track, Movie. That That is awesome. John, I know that you're a, a big fan of Permanent Vacation. What do you think of the uh, song selection today? I, I'm... I'm... You know, I guess to put to pun on Aerosmith, I'm pumped. Uh, <laughs> Wrong album. We're not yeah. doing one tonight. <laughs> My bad. But um, per, per, Permanent Vacation was one of the first cassettes I ever bought, and I played it until I had to wind wind it back with my pencil and get it back in place and listen to it again. And the deep cuts that we have tonight, you know, and Toys in the Attic too, like. It's, pro it's probably cliche to say Toys in the Attic is one of my favorite Aerosmith albums, but I don't care. Like, we're fans. We're, we're not musicians. You know, we have a musician tonight, which is amazing. <laughs> um, another Aerosmith bun. And he here we here we are um, ready to go. So I, I think before we start, though, I'd love to hear more. Like, Corey had sent me part of your podcast, or what, like, like a link to your podcast. I started listening to it. I, at first, like, I, I'm a big Magic fan. I thought I was going to listen to a Magician's podcast. <laughs> and it took a hard left turn for me, but I loved I, I, lo I loved every every minute of it. Cool. Um, so so um, do you want to tell our listeners a little more about it? Sure. Well, first, thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate that. Uh, it's, it's actually funny that that was your uh, expectation because when, when the, the podcast first went live and we were, you know, we were doing the Twitter tags and all that for the show, we accidentally tagged Magician's podcast, Magician Apostrophe S is the show because it's based on the Magician's birthday, which is one magician. But the, the tag that we found on Twitter was for magicians as in like actual performer magicians and they whoever runs that got really upset 
that we tagged them and they're like, you don't even know how to spell magicians, right? (laughs) Okay. Calm down, buddy. (laughs) You know? Uh, So basically uh, what happened was I did an interview with Mick Box, their guitarist and only surviving original member uh, based on their uh, 50th anniversary. And I wanted to help them promote the new box set that was coming out. And after the show, I talked to Mick and I said, you know, there's these deep dive podcasts. I would love to do one on heap. And he said, Sounds great. Let's do it. So within about a month and a half, uh, just started going through every single song they ever recorded. It's one episode per song. And if there's like an alternate version or something, I'll cover that in the same episode. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a blast. I've covered the entire catalog now. And it's it's kind of weird that the show's really narrowing down until the new album comes out. It's It's weird not to be doing four shows a week right now. So, Scott, as we tape this, actually, you mentioned you're, you're kind of through the discography, but you mentioned that you got some material for a new uh, season of the show. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got a surprise. Well, by the time that this airs, this will already probably not have started yet or just be about to start. Uh, so uh, the, before the band was Uriah Heap, they were a band called Spice. And there's one album of material from Spice and some that was started as Uriah Heep called the Lansdowne Tapes. And that's really the only studio work I haven't covered. So I'll be starting that one uh, after the surprise season ends. So that'll be sometime, uh, I think it's going to be around uh, late June, early July is when that one will start. Perfect. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Uriah Heep maybe has a new album coming out scheduled sometime later this year, don't they? They do. There's no definitive schedule for like a release date so far. They're saying this year. It has been recorded. Um, I don't know if the mastering has been completed yet, but it the recording part is done. So now we're just like, give me the album. Give me the album. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is we got more Scott Haskin coming. I know I was a little worried Definitely. when you kind of got, got, got to the end. I think your last song was a song called Tonight. I remember listening to that show like, oh God, is he done? Like, what what happens like yeah. like you mentioned John and I are starting out on this journey but what happens when you get near the end uh, how does your thinking change and how you get to continue doing the podcast because I'm I know for a fact John is ready to just kick my ass out the door and uh, be done with <laughs> podcasting once we get to the end of this thing but I, I can see myself getting close to the end and maybe thinking how do we extend this thing what was your mindset. You know, it it does get, especially, I mean, I do four shows a week, so it's a pretty hectic pace. And then I have another podcast, the Haskin Cast podcast that I do one to two shows a week of. So I'm, I'm constantly behind the microphone or editing. So the idea of having a little bit of a break from it is kind of nice. I might go outside and see what that's like. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's, it's weird though, because you get to that point where you're like, okay, I I've done so much of this. I'm looking forward to a break. And then when it gets there, you're like, you know what? I kind of feel like I should be recording a podcast or I should be doing something or what else can I do? So um, I've been to talks with BMG about doing some stuff uh, with them because they do promotion, a part of the catalog and some box sets and stuff like that. I did an unboxing of the big box set with them on video. And uh, you know, when the new album comes out, I'll be covering that and then probably doing another round of interviews with the band. Uh, it's really nice though, because I I'm endorsed by the band to do the show. So I am working with their manager and their social media director and, uh, all that to, to get everything I've done. I've done interviews with everybody in the current band and some of the past members. It's really been a lot of fun, but as far as extending it, I think it's probably just going to go on a short hiatus for a while. Um, just depending on what those other opportunities are that come up. But as far as music, I mean, the whole point of the show was really more about getting into the songs and not the history of the politics of, of what's gone on with the band and uh, really just focusing on the music. 
Well, Nat's great that you were uh, sponsored uh, by, by your eye heap. I know uh, John and I anxiously await our cease and desist order coming from the Aerosmith <laughs> camp uh, any day now, I'm sure, if they ever catch wind of what we're doing here. Uh, John, was there anything else you wanted to go over? No, I mean, I mean, I'm just really excited Scott's here. I mean, I get to talk less and, you, you know, you, you know, my, 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 I didn't want, I didn't want to do a podcast and Corey kind of held a gun to my head and forced me to do it. So, so Scott, thank you because um, less work for me is a more enjoyable for me, man. Is that why you have the frightening scream doll behind you just to make sure that you're staying at the mic and not venturing out on your own? I, I do, here, here, here you get to see us on video and see, see a little bit behind the scenes. I dressed, I dressed up for you. I wore my fancy robe today. Appreciate um, it. Yeah. Um, no, you I, I a fancy robe, so you should I, be honored. I, I am normally topless, and Corey's staring at my nipples half the time. <laughs> it's absolutely disgusting, but that's why that's why my show's not on video. <laughs> and why you do your your podcast solo? I'm I'm thinking more and more every day. That's probably a good way to go. Well, you know, uh, I've done so many interviews on my other show, and I realize how difficult scheduling can be. And when I was looking at doing this, I was going to go do two shows a week. And I thought, well, this is going to take three years to get through all these. And I want, I want everybody to be around and I want all the fans to be around because the band's been around 52 years plus now. So a lot of their fans are older and I want them to be able to hear the reviews of the newer material. So I kind of pushed to get through it a little bit faster. And if I had a co-host for everything, there would be no way I could have done that. Well, I really admire that because as much as I bust John's chops, uh, I could imagine doing a, a podcast solo and making it as entertaining as yours is. So I really well, admire you. you and the work you oh. do on the Magician's Podcast. It, it's truly phenomenal. I really appreciate that. Thanks. And, and, and on the flip side, I couldn't picture doing all, all of the technical stuff Corey does. I would have no problem making it entertaining on my own. <laughs> <laughs> it it, de it does get a little bit cumbersome i mean you get your your rhythm for it you have certain processes that you do in a certain order to make it as efficient as possible but uh it, it does become like okay just finished an episode now i gotta sit down and do all the other work and, and it's there's so much more to it than just listening to the song and talking about it i mean there's probably three times more work on the back end than there is just doing the show so it is definitely something that if you're going to do a podcast you have to be ready to deal with that thank you maybe john will appreciate me and the work i do a little bit more now <laughs> there you go I, I do i do because like scott gets to see now as many times as i screw up Corey just counts back three, two, one, and we go back in and, and it's like nothing. You don't get to hear that on the actual podcast, but Scott gets to witness it in real time tonight. Yeah. But on well, the track and premiere, you see the hundred little cuts that uh, I have. <laughs> no doubt. All right, Scott. Now, what do you say we get into it? Uh, let's see that this is your die here tonight, my friend. Uh, is there yeah. any particular song you're looking forward to? Hope hoping that we roll. You know, um, it, it's so hard to pick because these are all songs that are very special to me. So I would say, I mean, if I had to pick one, I would probably say Round and Round. Which is a great one. John, I, I, I'm looking at, at these six songs, and one is jumping out at me that I'm thinking you're maybe looking forward to. Well, you, you know, you, you know Scott, Scott's stealing my spotlight tonight, because I was going to say Round and Round, because that's my favorite song on the days. But I'm going to go with the one that I've probably listened to the most, which is probably Hangman Jury. Mm -hmm. That that's the one I thought you'd be looking forward to, yeah. John. And, and for me, I'm going to go with "You See Me Crying." That's probably that's one of my favorite tracks off of uh, Toys. So I'm looking forward to that one. But what do you say, Scott? Let's, Let's roll do it, this sucker, and we'll see what we roll. And we're going to come up with the movie. So we're going to oh, get nice. we're getting the instrumental 
off of permanent vacation. John, you're very happy about this. I, I, I am because I was thinking to myself, the movie's pure chaos for us because it's a, like no, no, no Steven Tyler on the track. And here, here we go with, with, with all music. And, and what better track to have a musician here to talk about than a, a full musical track by Aerosmith? Is this the only instrumental they did? Uh, uh, on like uh, official album releases, I'm thinking yeah. so. There, there might there might have been one. I think uh, Craw with Ham on uh, Pandora's Box was an instrumental, mm-hmm. like uh, on disc three of that. But uh, on their actual official albums, I think this may be the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like the musical interludes on Pump, but there, there's a more interludes and in not actual tracks. This is a full on track. So right. Hmm. This is going to be very interesting. Of course, Permanent Vacation was released in 1987, uh, produced by Bruce Fairbairn. We talked about him a lot on the show. Direct EOP produced tons of great albums uh, throughout the 80s. This was Aerosmith's big uh, comeback album after the big hit with uh, Run DMC and Walk This Way. And um, this is the final track on uh, Permanent Vacation, uh, track six on side two. Uh, the only uh, track on the album credited to all five members of the band, uh, Tyler Perry, Whitford, Hamilton, and Kramer. And... Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to listening to it tonight because usually when I pop on permanent vacation, this is the one I skip because it, it's an instrumental. I don't remember it being that outstanding. So I'm really looking forward to to putting to listening to it tonight. But uh, Scott, maybe uh, talk us through your reasoning of why you put this uh, on the day. Well, I, I will. But first, I have to say that's pretty interesting that Tyler was credited with it being an instrumental. You would think that you know he mainly does the lyrics, but maybe he is a little bit more involved with some things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I didn't I didn't even think about him on this, but there are words. There aren't lyrics for, you know, for like a standard song, but there is some talking or mumbling in the song. Mm-hmm. So and, maybe that's why. And, and maybe, and uh, Stephen Tyler, I think uh, one thing we've learned in doing the show is he had his hands in everything. Like he, he's the ultimate perfectionist. So especially when it came to like uh, Joey Kramer and his drumming, because Stephen mm-hmm. Tyler was a drummer and plays the drums awfully well. So uh, he was really hard on Joe or Joey in uh, in how he played the drum. So I imagine um, musically, uh, Stephen Tyler oh. was pretty involved as well. And we and we know from other tracks we, we we've discussed at this point, he's he's played guitar to help write some songs. He's played piano to write some songs. Mm-hmm. You know, he he has a drumming background. So 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 you know, he's a virtuoso in a lot of ways. So who who knows how he had input into this? That's right. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how they work, too. Sometimes even just walking in and go, hey, I really like that. Could we just change this? Maybe and make that'll work better. Can give you a, a song credit. I mean, it's there's so many different ways that bands do that. It would be hard to tell. But yeah, that's that's a, that's cool that they all had their hand in it. Uh, for me, there's just there's something about this that I find intriguing because it's it's to me a completely different side of Aerosmith. And it, it shows me that if they would have wanted to do a movie soundtrack, like to a rock, uh, you know, like a rock opera or something, I think they could have done it. Oh, I agree. And of course they had a, a big hit uh, from that terrible movie, uh, Sergeant Peppers uh, back in the seventies with uh, come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so n- no strangers to, to movies in the seventies. And of course they had their big hit single from uh, a Michael Bay movie in the nineties, but we'll, we'll get to that one when we get to that one. But uh, what yes. do you say, fellas? Uh, should we uh, start playing the movie? Yeah. 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 
know, one thing that that I love about this song is just the buildup that we're getting here. I mean, you you feel that something is coming and we're just getting, we start with just a little bit of sound and then another instrument gets added and then the piano comes in and it just builds up really nicely. And you, you're just like, where is it going to explode into the next thing? It, 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 it's kind of building like, uh, like, like a movie, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, John, you're a big movie fan. Uh, pretty atmospheric beginning of the song, kind of a, it almost kind of lends itself to maybe a horror movie in a way, doesn't it? Or a thriller? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was actually thinking more like an action sequence or, or a heist. Like this to me feels like the tension building in the heist sequence. Yeah, you know, not, not so much like in Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven, but picture more like even like a Mission Impossible when Tom Cruise drops from the ceiling. And you, and you can almost feel like the bass line and, and, and the instruments building the tension to a scene like that. Very interesting. All right, let's keep her rocking. All right, so there was that uh, woman's voice you had alluded to earlier, Scott. It almost sounds like she's speaking Gaelic or something. Can anybody kind of make that out? I have no idea what that is. I've searched for lyrics. I've never come across anything. But I actually think that that might be Stephen's voice just sped up. Interesting. John, do you have any any theories? Yeah, yeah. it, re it really feels like that's Stephen Tyler putting in a Taco Bell order. <laughs> Well, and uh, I'm just uh, doing some some quick reading here. Of course, we do no prep because we don't know what, what's really going to come up. But I did find something on Reddit. Take it for what, what you will. But a woman by the name of Christine Arnott is credited as doing backing vocals on the movie. So Interesting. I, I think she pops up again. So let, let's keep her going. Well, I apologize to Steven Tyler. That I, I apologize to Steven Tyler that I called you a girl. <laughs> it's not the first time I'm sure that's happened. So. <laughs> Scott, maybe you can give us a, a musician's perspective on, on what we're hearing here. Sure. Uh, you know, well, for one, for me, this, I guess this scene would be like a really nice traveling scene. You're just in the car with the windows down on a nice spring day, driving down the highway and, you know, just enjoying the music. Uh, this is, again, it's, it's just kind of a like a, a, a verse with no lyrics. Is something that is very simple. And I think there's a lot of beauty and simplicity. And I don't know if you guys can hear it, but underneath of the guitar track, there's another long sustained note that's just on the edge of feeding back, but doesn't quite do it. And it's buried underneath the guitar, but it's it's very visible if you if you catch it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. Uh, John, uh, uh, you love the rhythm section. We got Joey and uh, Tom and Brad. Uh, laying down a pretty interesting uh, groove there. Were you a fan of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're dancing around each other a lot, and and you know, I can't speak to it musically, but I could speak to it cinematically. And you you know, you know what was it like six or seven years late, later? They're going to go off and shoot all those great videos for Get a Grip, and it feels very cinematic. Like those Alicia Silverstone videos ended up being, um, or or. or it feels like it feels like some very early Jerry Bruckheimer, uh, Michael Bay work, 
like you, you know put to music as opposed to put to visual but you could almost you could almost see this song happening yeah I would agree with that. sorry scott go ahead oh i was just saying i i would absolutely agree with that and and uh you know from a cinematic aspect even though the song is called movie and we're kind of you know given the idea of think of it as like representation of a movie i honestly think just from the writing i think i would have anyway the song just has that feel of progression and build you know you're going from uh you know one note and then it goes up and then it goes up and then you know as the beginning was the same thing with more instrumentation added everything is a build in this song nope that's a very good observation let's keep her going I just wanted to point out, I, I mentioned I'm not a musician, but I am kind of a, an amateur drummer. And I really love uh, Joey Kramer's drum sound uh, on this record. Oh, yeah. I thought it sounded great. The production on this record is absolutely fantastic. And I love how patient this song is. You know, as a drummer, you're tempted to, you know, throw in a nice fill in there, especially if you're just playing a simple straight beat like this. But he's very patient. He's really playing for the song. A great point. And that, that's kind of a Joey Kramer hallmark, I think. He doesn't throw in a ton of fills just for for Phil's sake, if you will. Mm -hmm. He's very much for the song. And uh, what, what did you think of that, that kind of little breakdown before we kind of got back uh, into the main part again? I really like that. I think it, it's nice because the song is somewhat repetitive to have something different to hear. Uh, I mean, personally, I could listen to that riff for an hour and a half and just be perfectly entertained. But uh, it is nice to have that little breakdown. And then you wonder, is it going to go into something else? Is it going to go back into the riff? It, it really is a bit mysterious. It absolutely is. Scott, I've, I've never written a song before, but mm -hmm. um, have you ever laid down a track and been like, I don't want to ruin this with lyrics? Because that's what feels like is going on right now, is that they laid down a really sweet track. And it was almost like, maybe it doesn't need the lyrics. Yeah, I, I think very much a song can can really show itself to have a need to be instrumental. And I think this would be one of them. I mean, you could, because it's straightforward enough, you could put lyrics over it, but I think you'd have to be so careful as to how you did it that it didn't really interrupt, but it, it you know, it would be like another instrument as opposed to thinking about a story being told by the vocalist. All right, let's keep going. So, so the vocals, I don't know if you guys know this, but the vocals almost chime in similar to when Queen did the, the Flash Gordon song and they brought in so, so, some of the... Um, some of the dialogue from the movie. Now this, you know, it might sound like gibberish. So it almost sounded like Latin to me there for a minute. Um, 
Scott, Scott, do you notice any similarity? Like, I know it's not Flash Gordon, but you know, which is more of a catchy radio tune, and this is more of a progressive rock song. But the way the way it's almost handling the, the quote unquote lyrics, it fe- it feels like it's handling in a similar manner. Yeah, I think that's a great observation. I did notice a couple of words that uh, I, I'm pretty sure I heard the word "ignore us" or the words "ignore us" because that's actually two words. Uh, so I'm wondering if it's in maybe multiple languages, like certain words were done in English, certain words were done in another language, or if just the accent is so thick that I can't make it out. But it really is interesting. I really wish I knew what they were saying. Yeah, I got, I got to look online and see if it's ever been uh, transcribed because, yeah, it's very interesting. And I'm just kind of looking again at the uh, uh, the liner notes for the album. Uh, Christine Arnott was backing vocals on the movie. There was a Drew Arnott also credited on the song for playing the Mellotron. Uh, oh, wow. As a musician, Scott, maybe you can enlighten us. I, uh, Mellotron, I'm pretty sure, is, uh, has keys. That's about all I know about it. <laughs> yeah, it's a synthesizer, okay. uh, one of the earlier synthesizers. So you'll hear it a lot in uh, like King Crimson's music. You'll hear a lot of Mellotron uh, back in those days. But but because it's such a classic, people still use it today. And that's one of the things that in those transition times, when you hear those crazy synthesizer sounds, that's most likely the Mellotron. And uh, we talked about the production of this album, and we're, talk- we're, we're into this... Uh, uh, kind of a Joe Perry, uh, almost like a guitar solo section here, but his guitar tone again on this album, talking about the production, I thought was absolutely spot on. This is kind of Joe Perry at the height of his powers for me is that permanent vacation pump into get a grip is kind of, in my opinion, maybe his best uh, period as a guitar player. I would have to say too that, uh, you know, talking about patience as a player to just be playing those really, you know, staccato rhythmic notes uh, for a guitar player, that can be really boring. And he, he is just playing with absolute perfection on this song. Perfect. Let's keep going. I don't have a musical observation here, but I want to ask Scott and you, Corey, both of you. After we record this episode, do you guys want to do a slow motion walk with me to this song that we can record going down the hallway or something? Kind of Reservoir Dogs esque, you think? A hundred percent. Scott, would you be game? Yeah, absolutely. Put on some dark sunglasses and uh, and the good robe like John's wearing tonight, and uh, make some make us look cool. There you go. Uh, I love that little record scratch in that last transition right before you stopped it. It's it's kind of subtle. Uh, it's right along with the beat, but they just put in like that dit 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 with the record scratch. I thought that was pretty nice, especially thinking about the Rum DMC thing that they had just done. Um, but I, I really like this, and there's so much actually going on in the background. There's at least two guitar effects tracks that I'm hearing. One is that continuing feedback, and then there's another one that's just putting in little subtle notes here and there. And it's really thickening up the sound of the song and, and just making the production that much bigger. And that uh, feedback track you mentioned was really prevalent. I think right before the drums kind of kicked in, you could really hear it kind of mm-hmm. come up into the mix. 
uh, and then Joey started playing on the drum, banging on the drums there, and it kind of brought it back down. So, again, a nice progression in a song that seems to be all about progression. There's even so much going on in that fade out. That was really cool. That's uh, the movie yeah. from 1987's Permanent Vacation. Let's start with John. What were your thoughts there on uh, the movie? I can't decide if I were to go see Aerosmith at the residency, um, if I'd want to hear that right before they took the, the live set, like almost to pump you up before they start playing. Mm-hmm. Or, or sometimes as bands get older, the lead singer need, needs a little of a break and they do like a musical interlude. To hear them jam out on that and maybe go on like a 10 minute jam session where it's that and maybe some other songs kind of interstream through it. Um, I think, I think that's what I really want to see. Like just see the band go nuts on this. Scott, what do you think? Oh, I think this could be a great live jam. Uh, They could really go in a lot of directions with it too. I mean, you, once you set the pulse for it, you could really take it in any direction because the audience will continue to feel that pulse that you've set. Uh, whether you could really do a lot with layering, it just depends on on who you've got on stage. You know, if uh, if Steven Tyler grabbed a guitar and wanted to do one of those effects tracks, you could bring it out to another level. But even just with you know your basic band, I think it would be a fun song to, to hear live. Well, as far as I can tell, this song has been played live one time in Aerosmith's Ooh. career in 1985. Before Permanent Vacation even came out, September 14th, 1985, they played the movie after walk this way and before same old song and dance wow so this is a jam they've had in their uh, repertoire for a while before deciding to put because it wasn't even you know 85 that was you know done with mirrors it would have been that tour right so mm-hmm. hmm. interesting i would like to hear that oh that yeah I'm, I'm looking at the set list here and you got they kicked off with rats and then bone to bone big 10 inch Mamakin, Last Child, My Fist, Your Face. So it was definitely the Done With Mirrors tour. Lightning Strikes, The Hop, Walking the Dog, Red House, did a Jimi Hendrix cover. Back in the Saddle, Sweet and Emotion, Let the Music Do the Talking, Walk This Way, then the movie, Same Old Song and Dance, an Otis Rush cover, All Your Love, and Toys in the Attic. And then they finished off with Dream On and Train Kept Rolling. So that would have been a hell of a show to go to. Oh, for sure. I, I, I'm really impressed that they did this song. I, I think it would have been a blast to be in the audience for that alone, let alone all those other great songs. Hey, you know, Aerosmith just announced their big uh, Las Vegas residency. Maybe here's an opportunity they can put in something obscure like the movie to, you know, to, to play while Steven's doing a costume change or something. <laughs> hey, I'll give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please work your connection, Scott. And uh... 
Yeah, they're known, they're known to do a Vegas, a Vegas residency. They've done a couple of them, and I mean, every one of them just sold out within minutes. Yeah, and there's one coming up for their 50th that, that they just announced. Joey Kramer's not going to take part, uh, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, sounds like it's his decision to, to opt out. He has some family issues going on. So it'll be, uh, it's, I don't know. Aerosmith is, is so world famous for having the same five guys. And whenever mm -hmm. they kind of stray away from the same, I know Tom Hamilton had to leave uh, some shows uh, and some tours for uh, issues with cancer. And uh, Joey, of course, had some, some mental health issues and other things going on. But um, you need all five guys, I, I think, for Aerosmith to be Aerosmith. It just wouldn't be the same with, uh, with somebody else, his drum tech uh, on the riser doing that residency. Well, I think, too, it it's, would be tough finding somebody that really wants to play the way he plays because he is all about the song. And most drummers, they want to highlight a little bit here and there. So I would fear whoever they get would just naturally tend to overplay what might be normal for a drummer to play for these songs, but for Aerosmith, it might be a little bit more overplaying because their drums are a little bit more foundational than performance. Well, and, and that's a good call. And it reminds me back to uh, when ACDC was looking for drummers to replace Phil Rudd uh, in, in the eighties. And not a lot of drummers wanted to, to take that job because Phil Rudd's style of playing is very much just in the pocket, meat and potatoes, not a lot of flash or anything to it. Right. And drummers get bored. But yeah. Phil Rudd, uh, for me, is one of the top rock drummers of all time because he can take that role and, and play it perfectly. Yeah, you've really got to give credit to a guy who just wants to play and wants to play what's right for the song. And not that not that being a little flasher is wrong, but there are bands that just need, like the Beatles didn't need Ringo to be flashy. They just needed him to be the metronome for the band. And he was. He did it with a swing, but he was the metronome. And it's all about that swing uh, with Ringo and with Phil Rudd, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of opportunity in in, in this. I, like, I, I love and adore Joey Kramer. I think that you need all five guys to be Aerosmith. But if you're going to do a residency, and like to, to Scott's point, they've done they've done residencies before. Maybe to make this one a little bit different, you do guest drummers, right? And and, and like, wouldn't it be cool? Like, you go see Aerosmith and like. You know, Dave Grohl's playing drums that night that you go see them or something. Like, yeah, it might not be exactly the same. It might be Dave Grohl's flair, but to just see somebody like that playing with the band could be a lot of fun. That could be. That's a good idea. Uh, if you could find a number for me to call, I would love to oh. throw my hat in that ring. Well, and I, I'm remembering back, I believe, for a Howard Stern birthday party, Dave Grohl played uh, drums with, I think Slash was on guitar and Steven Tyler on vocals, and they did like Walk This Way in a couple of Aerosmith tracks. So that's. Uh, there is history there, so who mm. knows? Let's get Scott working on that. By next show, Scott, you better have an answer for us from the Aerosmith camp. Hopefully I'll have some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but when it comes to the movie, I imagine Steven Tyler would say. But I certainly like the song. I liked it a lot. There you have it, and that is now our 18th song on the mixtape, John. We're now both sides are full. Now, starting show 19, we start replacing. So, 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 Scott, I want I want to thank you for 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 having us on the Deep Dive uh, Network. Um, this is my last episode because this is where Corey starts making me work more, and <laughs> I I don't want to do that. So, um, thanks for coming to our last show, Scott. <laughs> well, it's been great having you. I'll tell you, you guys are about to get into a little bit of a tough time now because. Thinking about this, you, like you guys picked probably your more favorite songs up front. Maybe you saved a few for later on, but now you're going to have to say, okay, this favorite song 
is not going to make the cut. How do you make that decision? Well, and we got three or four on there that I know I'm, I'm pretty anxious to get off there. Uh, oh, okay. I, I just kind of picked at random because yeah, I very much didn't want to pick all my favorites at the beginning. We got maybe 300 shows to do. So we, we got a ways to go, John, you can't leave on show 19. That's not how this damn thing works. So, 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 so Scott, in fairness, I don't even like Aerosmith. Like Corey picked <laughs> the band and we're, and we're just going with it, man. Just, just wait till you get to the end and you're like, okay, let's start over now that we have a new perspective and cover these songs with a different set of ears. Yeah. Yeah, when I found John, he was listening to Poker Records by Walter Austin. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was, I, I, I come, I come from very much a weird, a weird Al school. Like Weird Al was my entry into polka, and then I just went from there. And just I was trying to to think of some of those polka bands that they named in Home Alone, and not one name came to mind. But speaking of Weird Al, uh, not too long ago, I interviewed Judy Tenuta, who did some work oh. with Weird Al. Absolutely fantastic lady. We didn't get to talk about Weird Al. I was hoping to get into that, but we just ran out of time. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a I'm, I'm a fan of Weird Al. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Judy Tenuta. Um, you know, here in New York, we have the we had the Howard Stern before, I guess, the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Howard Stern had had a, um, a show at night on Saturday nights on one of our local stations, and Judy Tenuta was a regular on it, and oh. I became an instant fan of hers. Um, yeah, she was hysterical and awesome, and my bro my brother and I kind of grew grew up on her humor, so I mean, pr pretty awesome. The thing with her is you just like, when is she going to explode? Like every, every other word you're like, okay, it's going to be this one. It's going to be this one. And she'll just like <laughs> go off into something and, and you just feel her energy. It doesn't build and pop. It just pops like all of a sudden. And uh, it's really interesting to talk to her, but she's such a sweet lady. It's so creative. Yeah. Well, if, if you ever talk to her again, you can tell, you can relate to her that you talk to a really big fan of hers. I definitely will. You can get more content like this on our new Weird Al theme podcast featuring Scott Haskin, John Mariano, and myself starting next week because we don't do enough podcasts. Scott mentioned he's in front of a mic six times a, a week. John and I do three of these at a stretch, and I do a Van Halen show. Let's add another one, why don't you? Let's talk a little Weird Al. I've seen him more in concert than any other artist in my uh, in my life here. So, Really? Yeah. Five times now, I think I've seen him. Is he still touring? He absolutely is. He's uh, he's actually coming through Canada again here in, in May. I'm going to get tickets for, but uh, he's doing another self-indulgent tour, he calls him. Actually, Emo Phillips is opening for him, and he's doing nothing but his originals, no parodies. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yep. I saw him the last time he did that tour. He did a, it was a special set list for every show. He did a special cover song in the encore for every show. The one I saw in Regina, Saskatchewan, he did, uh, I'm looking, I have the set list right here. Hard to Handle by the Black Rose was the cover he did, so. Interesting. Yeah, it was awesome. He'd be fun live. Oh, he's tremendous live, yes. But we're not talking Weird Al, we're talking Aerosmith, we're talking Scott Haskin, and we're wrapping things up because we're all done for this week. Scott, once again, uh, let's see, let the folks know where they can find you and uh, plug your show for us one more time. Well, I do two shows. The first one is Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast, which you can find in all the places you can find the other podcasts, which is, you know, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon Podcasts. I, I think it's off of Google Podcasts now because I think that folded, uh, but pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. And you can also go to my website at www.scotthaskin.com and the links to the podcast, as well as the streaming uh, of the episodes are there. And the other show is the Haskin Cast podcast, where I do album reviews and I interview all kinds of different people from the entertainment industry. That's awesome. And John, where can the folks find you? 
probably getting beat up by our sponsor Ken Knapsack, who we forgot oh. to uh, <gasps> drop. Oh, I. You know he doesn't yeah. pay anything. It's okay. We're 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 gonna get in trouble next week, Corey. We're mentioning I have it a now. feeling it's all good. It's it, I mean it's the end of the show. We're supposed to do it at the top. We're dead. Way to go, Scott. Thanks a lot. I bring a lot more to the show than just music reviews. Don't blame Scott. He's our guest, John. Be nice. We're going to blame you. Oh, yeah. My my bad, Ken. I'm sorry. I'll be listening to Ken's pop rock and radio probably on double time to get more episodes in to help help him out on Mixcloud. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I I got to go split, guys. You you guys finish the outro. I'm going to go get in trouble now. Sounds good. And I want to give a shout out to all of our friends of the Deep Dive Podcasting Network. There's some great shows, uh, the, and the podcast will rock, hosted by myself and Mark Meyer on Van Halen, uh, the Metal Gods Podcast, dedicated to all things Judas Priest. Universally speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers Podcast, Diary of the Mad Men, jumping on the crazy train with two lifelong Aussie fans. That's a great show. Maiden A to Z, Hawk Binge, uh, the Magicians Podcast, as we mentioned here tonight, in the lap of the pods, T Bones Prime Cuts. And the Deep Purple Podcast, Skinnered Reconsidered, Sabbath Bloody Podcast, all these shows and more. You can check them out on the Deep Dive Podcasting Network. And please support our friend Scott Haskins. Scott, thank you very much for coming on again. Uh, if, if you decide uh, to come back a second time, you can throw another song on this die that you created here tonight, and we'll give it another spin. What do you say? Well, I would definitely love to. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. We covered a fantastic song, and uh, I, I would love to come back. Excellent. I'm going to hold you to that. But uh, as always, we're going to give the final word to Steven Tyler. 